Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not gonna shout now. Shout now, she's not gonna shout. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. No Fun the Jen Kirkman podcast episode 400. Woo, that's a big number. Oh my God. 400 episodes of this podcast since 2013. It's almost 10 years. Oh my God. What am I doing with my life? Are we going to celebrate this episode or what? Oh my God, no fun. Ah, oh, that's all I got for you, the 400th episode. Listen, I, listen, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Have uh, this is your life, people show up, go, remember this. It's just me here, solo podcast, Jen Kirkman, your host. I'm a comedian. Both of my specials are on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. I am also a author, a author, an author. That's right, authors need editors. I've written two books, and the reason I mention all of this is just so you can orient yourself to the type of professional you're dealing with here, but this podcast is not edited like a book. It is not practiced like a stand-up special. It's improvised. It's talking off the top of my head. It's real life. It's real conversation. But it's a conversation where you say nothing, but anything can happen here on No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. Wow. Thank you, listeners. I mean, I don't know how many of you have listened to all 400, but thank you. How are you still here? Welcome new listeners. Go back. You can go back and listen to original episodes of this podcast. Go to jenkirkman.com, click podcast, and on that page, you will find a link that'll take you to a place you can find the archives, and it's all free. It's all free. So there you go. Now, listen, we are in minute two of this podcast already. Boy, is time flying. But my Patreon subscribers, they get the video version, so they get to look at me right now. My face is a little shiny. I don't actually have any makeup on. I just have lotion on because it's nighttime, and I'm going to bed right after this, and I wanted to get all... I don't know why I put on makeup for the camera Listen, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it tonight. So, but here's the thing. I've already been talking to them for 35 minutes. They already got a fucking hot story about why the booker of Netflix doesn't think I'm funny and our long history of her not liking me since the late 90s in New York City and how I was able to confront her about it years ago, way before Netflix was even a thing. And the person that booked my first two specials is not this person. That's why if you're confused. And then this person took over. It's a whole 
drama. It's like a superhero villain origin story. And it can only be told for the $5 level and up subscribers on Patreon. So go support me for 400th episode. You're thinking, Jen, what are you going to do for? No, what are you going to do for me? There's no tour. There's no new special where you can support me and see me. You being people all over the world. I'm not coming to you. You got to come to me, patreon.com. This is my job, literally. I want 828 subscribers by my birthday on 828. I want 2022 by 2022. Let's make this profitable. Let's give me money. Let's get me going here. Let's make me big on the Patreon. What are you listening for free for? There's no ads on the Patreon and there's longer stuff. And again, you get to look at my face. Hurry up before my face gets too old to look at anymore. And you you just have to look away. But seriously, support me. Because if if you guys don't, then I guess who will? All right, here we go with the show. What's going to happen on the 400th episode? I think it's just going to be special because every day is special. Every episode is special. One is not better than the other. They're all my children. And so we're just going to talk like it's a normal day. Um, I might have some thoughts on Matt Damon giving up the F word. Not the fuck word, the other word, the gay slur word, and just that whole bizarre debacle where he just announced it. He was just like, hey, everyone, here's some information about me. Um, Generation X is getting the shaft. They actually have the worst employment situation. I've been screaming about this forever, and younger people didn't believe me. It is now quantifiable in an article. I wrote down memory lane of this podcast and the phases it's been through. No, I don't have any thoughts on that. That's boring. We're moving on. Karl Lagerfeld used to say, if they asked him about his past collections, I only think fashion is about the future. This podcast is about the future. I've got a bunch of listener emails to read, which you know will get me going on and on off, off on different topics. I'll make a mention about this Delta variant. What the fuck? Hot girl summer. I'm not having one. I read a Reddit thread of a TV show I like, and I wondered, are people this stupid? And did you guys know this? And I just didn't. And I talk about a touching moment I had at an eyelash appointment. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got my eyelashes tinted. I do that often. Every once in a while, every couple months or so. But there was a touching moment between me and the esthetician as we listened to a Beatles podcast together. (laughs) And I don't know what else I have to talk about. I want another tattoo. Okay, I'm 47 years old, okay? 46, 46, 46, 46. Don't get ahead of ourselves. I'm 46. Sorry. I keep saying 47 because I always age myself up a year so that when I turn that age, I don't collapse into shock. Um, 46. And I'm still afraid of my parents in certain ways. I was like, should I only, um, should I, should I not even mention that I want to get another tattoo? What if my parents are listening? What the, then they're listening. My dad hates tattoos it it gives him a honestly i've never seen him have a reaction like this about anything else i've done i have done like the dirtiest jokes in front of him as he sits front row at a comedy show and i don't know if he goes like like you do when you're in some kind of uh you know physical um discomfort where you just kind of like go to your happy place you know if you're freezing in the snow and you just you really can't focus on the fact that you're about to get hypothermia. So you just kind of go to your happy place and float away and maybe just let death take you. That's, I think, what happens to my dad when he sees me live. But when I'm at home and I'll go, look, I got this. And I'll go, dude, what is that on your arm? Oh, a little star tattoo I have. What the hell you got the tattoos for? Oh, jeez. He gets like so um, just his face looks like he just ate a thousand lemons. He's like, oh, jeez. Like, what is wrong? What is wrong? 
my God, I'm, I'm, I've probably, like, 46 times two is what? I don't even want to know. I'm going to have a panic attack on air. <sighs> 92. 46 times two is 92. If I live another 46 years, it'll be 92. Do you understand? Do you understand my age here? It isn't, my parents are 83. What, what am I all, what are they going to ground me because I have a tattoo? They get, I'm not rely. I don't rely on them for money. I, I don't, uh, no sway over me at all. In fact, they rely on me. My dad calls me. Will you book me some flights on JetBlue? I, th- you know, I only do the phone and Jennifer, they say the whole time is an hour. Don't you do something on the computer there you do with the credit card? And yeah, I, where do you want to book them from? Well, we're going to Palm Springs and then Vegas. I'll book it. No, that's Southwest. I'll book it. You JetBlue, then we get a fly back Vegas to Boston. I got gotcha. you. I'm on their tippy type. They need me. They better not do anything wrong or I'm going to not book their travel anymore and help them out with it. I mean, they paid for it. I, I didn't pay for it, but I'm saying, you know. Anyway, I want to get a tattoo. This is Generation X. I want it just in very tiny letters, just black, just Generation X. And I want it somewhere on my left arm. And is it going to be like up in the muscle? See, you want it up in the muscle. So everyone's like, ooh, look at her muscle. But the left arm is, my muscle isn't as pronounced as the right arm. But I already have a tattoo on the right. So I feel like I should even it out. And do I get it closer to the wrist? Or do I get it, you know, on that side of your foot between the ankle and the big toe? Like, but I don't want it there. I already have a tattoo. I, I want it on my wrist. But like between the wrist, but like on the side of my arm. I'm naming the three most painful places. I'm like, I want it right on my eyeball. That's right. But I definitely want a ta- little tattoo that says Generation X. Just teensy tiny. Or should it say Gen X, G-E-N-X. I think it shouldn't. I think it should say Generation X. Um, I don't know. I don't know, you guys. That I'm already planning my long-sleeved outfits that I'll wear at Christmas. I'm like, Gen- you know, so they can't see the new tattoo. I mean, what is going to happen? What is going on? Tattoo- I mean, it is true. Why am I tattooing myself? It'll be my third one, but they're tiny, the ones I have. When I look at my JKL one, I actually can't believe how big it is. It's like way bigger than I think meant to get it. Like if I were to re-get it, I would get a little smaller. Um, it's quite big for no, and it's like kind of a sarcastic tattoo. Like Gen X, I really mean something to me. I'm getting very nostalgic about everything and I do feel like we're the last generation that will get to live a semi-normal life before the climate crisis. I mean, not really. We're not going to probably get to be elderly, but anyway. Well, this is a great... Hey, happy 400th. We may not uh, get to be elderly. And if you're younger than me, then you might not even get to be middle-aged. Anyway, enjoy it. 400. Yes. Woo! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Matt Damon, now I don't normally talk about celebrity stuff on this podcast. I normally reserve it for the Patreon, but there's so much celebrity stuff going on uh, this week on the Patreon for the $10 uh, subscribers and up. They will get their second short bonus of the month. And this month's bonus, uh, this week's bonus, I'm talking about the rash of celebrities who are just announcing in interviews that they don't shower. There's like four major celebrities who just don't shower and they're bragging about it. The fuck is going? That is some white people shit. So that'll be uh, this week on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman to join. That bonus episode will drop sometime before Friday, August 13th. <gasps> Friday the 13th. Anyway, so Matt Damon. I guess he's doing press for a movie he has coming up. And all I see going, Twitter's going crazy, right? Matt Damon 
no longer says the F word is, is what I see. And I realize he doesn't mean fuck. He means the anti-gay slur. Or a cigarette, as they say in uh, Europe. They call cigarettes, uh, in the UK, they really do call cigarettes fags, F-A-G-S. But Matt wasn't even talking about that short version. He was talking about the longer version of the F word. So, There's this article that's like, even though he played a queer-coded twink in the 1999 film The Talented Mr. Ripley and Liberace's ex-boyfriend in the 2013 HBO movie Behind the Candelabra, the 50-year-old actor has only recently learned he can't say the F word. I mean, he probably thinks he gets a pass because he did those things, but um, he was speaking to the Sunday Times, and they were talking about, I guess, the evolving culture where men are learning to say less. By the way, no one told men to say less. We're just adding our voices into the mix. We're asking men not to hurt people. Don't sexually harass women. Don't demean people of different colors. If you're a white man, if you're a straight cis man, don't demean trans LGBTQ. Like, no one's saying say less. That's what men do. And they get all freaked out when someone said, hey, can you actually learn a new way of speaking? No, I just won't say anything then. That's their way of going, no, I actually can't learn anything new, so I'll just shut up. And then I'll get tired of shutting up, and then I'll complain about shutting up. And we're like, yeah, we, you're just spinning around like a freak. We've just been standing here the whole time watching, going, what? What are you doing? Like, no one said don't say anything. We're just, we're just wondering if our voices can be as loud, or do you hear that as you are not supposed to say anything anymore? Got it. Got it. Anyway. So Matt just started segging into this anecdote about how he recently learned to stop saying the F word. He said the word that my daughter calls the F slur for a homosexual was commonly used when I was a kid with a different application, he said. Now, I get this. I'm from Boston. That word was like as Boston as the tea party, as Boston as baked beans. It's like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, that's Effie. Oh, you know what I mean? We'd say that if something was like kind of dorky, like, oh, that's Effie. I'm not saying the word. That's why you're like, what is F-E? No, F-A-G-G-E-Y-E. The yogurt? No, F-A-G-G-Y. So, like, I can't even say that word. I just, so here's the thing. Like, when I was growing up in Boston, I didn't even know until I was a teenager and had a friend come out. And, of course, I watched Three's Company, and I knew there was something going on, and people pretending they're gay and Mr. Roper worrying that people are gay and he's making the Tinkerbell thing. I mean, there were, listen, 80 sitcoms were just all about homophobia, but I think, I guess I sort of knew what a gay person was, but I didn't even know if it was like a real thing. You know what I mean? I just didn't until I met gay people um, that were people I'd always known. Um, people I thought of as, you know, straight people until they came out and they're like, Oh, okay. And that, that's what a gay person is. It's, just a person I know um, who told me they want to date same gender. Like, it was just like very easy for me to understand. I guess I'm a great person. But uh, there was, of course, this like kind of Massachusetts culture where that word was a word meaning dorky. And of course, even if we didn't mean it in a homophobic way, even if we still use that word, but would freak out if anyone was homophobic to our gay friends, we were like, well, we don't mean it as the gay slur. And it's like, yeah, but that's what the word is. And you don't get to use it going, no, but I use it to mean refrigerator. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't mean refrigerator. So you don't get to use it that way. If you think it means dorky, you're gonna have to think of a different word for dorky. And so... I did, but I used to have a joke about this when I was, I think I just moved to LA. It was like early 2000s, so almost 20 years ago, probably more like 17 years ago, and I had a joke where I talked about that word, and I that was a time in comedy when it was like, how can I still say, you know, offensive words because I get it, you know, I get it, I can use these words, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with you guys, but uh I still get to say this word because I'm a comedian pushing boundaries and telling jokes. So I'm going to tell my joke about um, my use of the F word, you know, 
when I would call things F.E. when I was little, I just remember uh, <laughs> there was a choir at church, you know, there was usually a bunch of people with white hair and they would sing like, were you there? Wait, no, what was the song they were saying? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I was not there, and to answer your question. Anyway, but then there was this girl, and she had her little guitar, and she was, you know, a teenager, and I was like 12, and she was like, let's start a fucking church choir that's like for the kid, the cool kids, we'll get the guitar, and we'll sing like, Jesus, he's a guy, and he's cool, and I love to help my elderly neighbor strum, strum on the guitar, and... um. I was like, she's so cool. I'm going to join this guitar choir. And uh, I remember my sister saying to me, are you sure you want to join that group? They're kind of effy. And I was like, oh. And like that one word, it was like you knew. Oh, it's like dorky. Like, you know, and so I don't know why we just didn't say dorky because literally nothing could be less gay than a church thing full of straight people singing like the worst music. Like that's not, if it was truly Effie, I'd be like, great, but it wasn't. That's like more like, oh, that's so straight. That's so straight and dorky and white. You know, that's what we should say. And that's so SD dubs, SDW, straight, dorky, white. That is SD, Jen, are you going to really get up early on Sundays and sing in the choir with the teenage girl on her guitar? That's kind of SD dubs. That's way cooler than saying Effie, you know? But anyway, so I was, ta- I'm on stage 17 years ago talking about how I don't say that word anymore, but I did when I was like 12 and in, in, I say Boston, like I grew up in Southie, but you know, Massachusetts. And I, uh, but in my day, it meant, it didn't mean a gay person. It meant the girl with the guitar who sings songs about Jesus in her spare time. And, and like, that was the punchline. The punchline was about this girl like being a dork. And I remember my friend, Guy Branham, gone on stage after me and he's like, no, Jen Kirkman, you don't get to use that word, even in the context of this joke and explain this whole thing to me, like in his set at this open mic that we were both at. And it was really funny. And I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. I really just thought I could do whatever the fuck I want because I'm so liberal and I'm so, um, you know, just like think I get it. And, you know, all my friends are gay and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, and it, like, there's no need to say that word. And I'm, in a weird way, it's like my joke is almost normalizing it instead of being, instead of what I just did, which is why did I even, that word doesn't even match. You know, I could have gone into a thing without also saying the word. I never need to say the word in the joke. But, you know, it's like we're always, we're just such dicks comedians. Like we really do go through this phase in our like, you know, I was in my late 20s. I was in my 20s. I was 27, 20. We go through this phase, especially when we're younger, a lot of us grow out of it if we've become thoughtful people, decent people. Some people never grow out of it. But it's like, just, but I want to say this word because I get it. It's like, no, you can't. The, why do you even want to say it? Well, I don't even want to say it. I just want to be an edgy comedian. But why? I don't know because I haven't put much thought into anything. So I know that Matt Damon wasn't actually saying the F word to gay people's faces, calling them the F word. But it doesn't matter. It's all the same. He was saying that he would tell jokes where the punchline had the word F in it. And so he tells this story as a 50-year-old man who, by the way, has been called to the carpet twice in the past few years. One, there's a terrible clip of him on his old TV show where they get a movie made, Project Greenlight or whatever. And there's this black woman and saying, you know, you're about to pick up the story of a black woman, but you're getting like a white guy director. And I think we need to talk about that. He's like, hey, listen. And he just starts like getting really defensive and over talking her. Affleck is there, Ben. Affleck comma Ben um, is there and he's saying nothing. Now, I don't know what he's thinking, but it certainly makes him look better to at least say nothing. Jen, I thought you said we, you don't want us to just say nothing. Well, and if the only choice is say nothing or say what Matt Damon said, then say nothing, I guess. But so... And he's getting defensive and that went around and everyone was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, 
there's a clip of him talking about, you know, has Me Too gone too far? No, it hasn't. And so he's really, he's turning out to be the dumb one. And I think we thought he was the smart one because he's, you know, he's been in this marriage forever and, you know, he hasn't had all these public problems like Ben. It hasn't been rehab and J-Lo and back together with J-Lo and cheating and this. And, you know, it's like, I don't know if we automatically superimpose what that means. You're smart. And it's like, well, that just means you're fucking lucky, you know, but I think Ben is, I mean, again, we're not having a contest who's the more woke, probably neither of them, but, um, but then Mark Wahlberg, he's got a movie coming out that he produced about, I watched the trailer and it's about this, it's a true story of this young gay kid who kills himself. He's uh, in high school and he's getting bullied and he tries to talk to his Midwestern dad, played by Mark Wahlberg, doing a Boston accent for an Ohio dad. I mean, he's trying to do the Midwestern accent, but it's coming out Boston, but his acting looks really good. Hang on one second. I am just plugging in my battery um, to my camera, not the battery that goes to my soul. Uh, Hang on one second. Is this the worst 400th episode you've ever heard of any podcast? I mean, I feel like I'm just offending people at this point. Anyway, so I watch this trailer, Mark Wahlberg. It's like one of those like real tearjerker movies. I'm going to get to the Matt Damon story, but let me just play you this Mark Wahlberg trailer. I mean, it's such... Um, so but a straight dad who's a gay son and the son comes out. Um, not the sun in the sky, but the sun comes out and he says, I'm gay. And his father's like, well, let nature take its course. And his mother's like, no, Bill, he's gay. So anyway, the kid come, uh, ends up killing himself. And the father, played by Mark Wahlberg, is, decides he's going to walk from the Midwest to New York City in honor of his kid who always wanted to move there. And, you know, I think he sees some prejudice. But anyway, the kid is in the movie with him. So his dead son's ghost it's it's like all in his mind he walks with his son and talks to him and they have the relationship he never got to have with him anyway i for some reason was googling like what are the other guys from boston saying about you know anything lgbtq because i was i was just curious like what are these other boneheads up to and then i saw that about mark Wahlberg, and i was like okay but it's called um joe bell is the movie um hang on one sec So let's see. I mean, it's such cheese and it's like gotten really bad. Like it's gotten good reviews. Connie Britton's in it too. Um, yeah, but he's walking across country. He's with his son who's dead. That's his uh, Midwestern accent. You're 15, I'm 45. You don't think... Based on a true story. I mean, it sounds like a beautiful story. I'd love to know more about it. But it's from the writers of Brokeback Mountain. He's just walking by himself, camping out, like kind of in this like penance for you know. IndieWire says it's a graceful, delicate film. His son's a cheerleader in the scene. A must-see, one of Mark Wahlberg's finest performances. I mean... Chills. I love this shit. 
Am I the worst? Any movie about like bullying and these Midwestern dads who are like, you know, who don't really understand anything and then they like have a complete change. Like there's a scene where he's in a bar and all these guys are being homophobic and the, in the trailer just cuts. I don't know what happens, but I'm assuming, um, I just want to see a fight scene where he's like, you don't say that word. Like I'm just going crazy anyway, but I just thought it was funny that that movie came out this week, you know, and Mark Wahlberg's such a ding dong dope head. And Matt Damon was supposed to be like the intellectual one. Maybe we thought that because he played Will Hunting, whatever. So here's Matt Damon's inspirational fucking stupid story. Um, I made a joke. Um, a few months ago, his daughter pleaded with him to stop saying the F word after he used it in a poorly received, quote, joke. I made a joke months ago and got a treatise from my daughter. She left the table. I said, come on, that's a joke. I say it in the movie Stuck on You. <laughs> what? Yeah, your character says it. Come on, it's a joke. Like, imagine if you were in a movie where you're in the KKK and you're just at home, like, saying horrible racist things. You're like, it's a joke. My character, the KKK Klansman, says it in the movie Klansman. What? Come on, everybody. It's like you thought your fucking teenage daughter in 2021 would like a joke with the fucking F word in it. What are you? What plan? Have you met your daughter? Have you met anyone? They don't even have to be younger. Like everybody knows this, dude. Everybody knows this. Uh, she went to her room and wrote a very long, beautiful treatise. I feel like he keeps saying treatise, which is in in and of itself a pejorative in my opinion where it's like god this diatribe this rant this like on and on blah 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 you know the women when they're not talking or shopping they're writing treatises in their rooms anyway he says uh on on how that word is dangerous i said i retire the f slur i understood Obviously, this anecdote about Damon, who again is a 50-year-old leading actor in the year 2021 has not gone over well so lots of people were making fun of it on Twitter. Um, George Takei tweeted, to be honest, I was privately insulting Matt Damon until a few months ago, too. So, um, But I was just like, first of all, talk about like your daughter is spending the fucking summer, you know, the first summer she has post pandemic. I don't know if she's old enough to be vaccinated or what, but, you know, it's just like everyone's like hot girl summer. And she's like, I'm going to be in my bedroom writing an essay, doing the emotional labor to teach my dad to not use jokes, to not use homophobic words in his jokes. Like, oh, that's a fun summer. What else, how many more essays is she going to have to write to him about things he shouldn't say? And also just the fact that like she didn't like it and got up from the table. And instead of going, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I know what I just did. He goes, what? It's a joke. It, he even had that moment before he realized that he shouldn't say it. And he, this is the thing. We didn't find out secretly because she wrote a memoir. He just volunteered this information in an interview. And I guess he was saying, look, I don't say that word anymore. I mean, what he should have done if he wanted to use this in as, in, as an example of anything, which he didn't need to, is he could have at least just not admitted. I mean, just no, don't admit when it was. Just, you know. I used to make jokes using that word, never say it to anyone, but, you know, it took me a while to realize it wasn't okay. Thank God for my kids. They're always educating. I mean, this story is all kind. I want to free his daughter. Everyone's talking about freeing Brittany from her conservatorship. Let's free his daughter so that she doesn't have to spend the rest of her summer writing treatises. Treatises. Shut the fuck out of here, Matt Damon. I don't know what. I've never been a Matt Damon fan, so forgive me if I seem like the 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 raging waters of contempt have just you know started sloshing around there's really no reason i just find him to be i don't know he just doesn't appeal to me on any level as an actor or as anything okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So everyone, I mean, just, ah, boy. I will give Mark Wahlberg credit for being a producer on that movie. But anyway, it didn't get very good reviews. Um, And it was supposed to come out during COVID and it didn't. And right now it's in the theater. It's not on streaming. I'm like, what? Why can't I stream this? So I'm watching The White Lotus, which, oh my God. I mean, that show, first of all, it's just <laughs> every single character is incredible. The acting is amazing. It's on HBO Max. It's the, um, there's no spoilers here. I'm just describing the plot. It's it's rich white people at this resort in Hawaii. And uh, it's a deeper look on the deepest level of the show. It's about, you know, white people and colonization and, the culture of, you know, being waited on by the Hawaiian people who are kind of dumbing down their culture and doing these stupid fucking luau dances for you. And, you know, this black woman that works in the salon um, who is being um, strung along by one of the hotel guests is like, I'm going to help you start a business, like all kinds of just, it's just looking at the class divide. And, uh, but then even within that, they're, there's turmoil within each family or each couple. It's just fantastic, but it's so funny. I've just, every acting thing is so fucking funny. And so, I don't know. I just, I got into it and I, like an idiot, I hate when I do this because I'll find out about a show and, you know, I know everyone's watching it and I'll get into it without knowing that it's one of those shows that they didn't release all of the episodes at once. It's one of those it's one of those old timey shows where one episode comes out every week. And so I just went to HBO Max. There's six episodes of it, but only four had come out when I put it on and I put it on and I just was. Oh, yeah, the whole thing's done. I'm going to binge this 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 past weekend. And I start watching and then I get to the fourth episode and it's like done. And I'm like, wait. Oh my God, do I have to wait until next week? And it's killing. I can't fucking wait. I can't believe I'm this person, by the way. I won't watch a show when it comes out because I need to binge now. My anxiety gets too crazy if I can't binge something. <laughs> it's, and back in the day, you guys, I mean, again, in my day, you couldn't even pause to get up and pee. I mean, you had to sit there watching Commercials is when you got up to pee. You know, there was no, before the VCR, I mean, you couldn't tape it. Just had to kind of memorize what was going on and make jokes about with the, the show with your friend the next day at, at school. And I was going to say at work, at, at school. And uh, then there'd be summer cliffhangers. The last episode of the season would be in May. And you wouldn't have a new episode until September. And every week, you'd have to wait for a new episode. Cliffhangers, people, cliffhangers. And I know we still have that to a degree. I mean, I'm sitting here jonesing for a new season of Stranger Things. But I've just completely gotten addicted to binging shows. And I hate it, too, because when it's done, I'm wrecked. It's like I'm emotionally hungover because I have just everything. It's like... My brain, my ADHD brain that just longs for calm, it loves to have one thing like that to focus on. And it does. And I put all of my everything into it. All of my emotions go into this show or whatever show I'm watching. And then, you know, at the expense of everything else, I'm not hanging out with people. I'm not doing any work. It's just everything goes into this. It is, it is this bliss state of just nothing else exists but this. You know, I I wire my emotional state to whatever show I'm watching. Those are the only emotions I feel. I am the ET to their alien. Whatever they're going through, I'm going through. And then I'm dead in the river. The minute that the series or the season ends, I, I am apoplectic. I can't. I miss these people. What's you know? It's like my my nervous system gets all unglued from them, and I'm I'm adrift. 
And maybe I wouldn't feel that way if I didn't binge it, if I just let it be a part of my life. You watch it once a week, then you go hang out with a friend the next morning for coffee, you do your job, you call your family, you know, I don't know. But it's like, yeah, it's that kind of, I don't know, shades drawn drug addict, but without the drugs, like just on the couch, just riveted. It's it's too intense. I I'm it's it's a blessing. I should just stop binging things that are currently airing or doing that thing of oh I'm not going to watch it until I know the season finale has happened and then I'll binge it because it's not good for my it doesn't ultimately feel good. It's like any kind of you know like an ice cream binge or something. It ultimately just get you just crash. But I'm so surprised I'm like this because I'm so Gen X. I'm like, yeah, Menard, I mean, couldn't just fast forward to the next episode. Well, look at me. And see, the thing is, though, that's because I'm Gen X. We adapt. I have adapted to this crazy way of watching TV. To where it feels like, yeah, this is how it's always been, hasn't it? I mean, I've ad- we've adapted to so many things. And that's what I was. So I said that August was the every, you know, I read an article every episode. So August is going to be all about workplace stuff because I'm fascinated with how the workplace is changing post COVID. But now that we're getting into like variant time and people are going to need to be mandated to be vaccinated and they won't and the masks and what are we doing with the jobs? But this article I just read and I was like, I knew this was true because I had younger people being like, you don't understand. We have it the worst in terms of jobs. And I'm like, no, we graduated in a recession. Then we had another one after 9-11. Then we had another one in 2008. We, then we had another, like, we keep trying to get going here. And I'm sort of outside of it because I actually weirdly started getting work in 2008, like when the rest of the world was suffering, like TV was happening. So, but up until then, I mean, no. So anyway, um, this story is from CNBC.com. Gen X were, oh, so my whole point in White Lotus is, sorry, just one quick thing. I went to the Reddit page. When I love a show, I just want to see other people talking about it. And I went to the Reddit thread of the White Lotus, and I realized I can't talk about TV shows with people that, I hate, this sounds awful, but that don't write for TV because, like, this one guy goes, okay, I have a theory. Um, You know, it's like, there's this one family on the show. It's a husband and wife and their two kids. And like, you know, they're supposed to be crappy parents. Like it's it's like rich, awful people. They're not unfeeling parents. They're just caught up in their own shit. And they're, you know, they're not really taking care of business with their kids. It's hardly neglect. It's just sort of like, you'll just, if you watch the show, you know what I'm saying. And if you don't, you understand what I'm saying, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone. This guy writes, you know, here's my treatise about why I think these people are bad parents. And then he just lists things that it's not like stuff he figured out or stuff he. It's just plot points from the show. Then the parents did this. Then the parents did that. It's like, yeah, you didn't figure out that they're bad parents. They are bad parents because the writers wrote these plots that you just outlined and then the actors acted them. What you did was notice what someone was telling you to know. Like what you did, even like if I wrote a thing, guys, guys, um, Apollo 13, that movie, that's about going to space. I don't know if anyone realized that. It's like, that, I'm literally not kidding. That is how I was like, is everyone this stupid? Is everyone, and everyone's like, oh my God, totally. And I think what they're trying to show is, um, I'm like, they're just trying to show their shitty parents. It's very easy. There's nothing to figure out. And then someone else is like, I can't get into the show because I don't really think the characters are that nice. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. What do you, what? This is why I don't understand. Why do you have to like everybody that you see on TV? Aren't you fascinated with the acting and the drama and, and finding something that you do like about a character who's pretty unlovable otherwise? I mean, that was the whole point of Archie Bunker, All in the Family. I can't, I can't, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. Why do I go on the internet? What do I think I'm going to find on there? The only good thing on the internet is no fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. All right, anyway, so 
this article, CNBC.com, Gen X workers aged 45 and older may be bearing the brunt of a global unemployment crisis as the pandemic adds to existing challenges for older workers. According to a new report, rapid digital adoption during the pandemic has accelerated the automation of jobs and worsened underlying ageism, making it harder for mid-career workers to secure roles, according to the report from Generation, a nonprofit employment organization. In a global study, see, younger people always tell me, don't talk about generations. Don't generalize. Don't this, don't that. I'm like, that's because you've got the privilege of being younger. But when you're older, you realize what people are doing to your generation. I was a writer in a writer's room where I was one of the oldest people. And the people in their 20s were going, I feel so fucking old. I'm like, 29 turning 30 next month like is this what my life is and I'm like uh, my life's the same as yours and I'm 16 years older than you so can you not because if I had been like oh my god um you, you know like there's just no there's just no they just didn't realize that that was anything offensive about that and then when I said something once, like, hey, you know, I'm older than you. And they're like, but you don't look it. Like, as though that's like, so they can still say being older sucks. As long as I don't look it, there's no, there's no feelings that come with being older, no physical sensation. Like, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait till you're my age. I mean, you probably won't get to be because of climate change, but. Okay. In a global study entitled Meeting the World's Mid-Career Challenge, the firm found that entry-level and intermediate workers between the age of 45 and 60 faced increased barriers due to biases among hiring managers as well as reluctance. Hiring managers thought there was reluctance among workers to learn new skills. Generation CEO said the report had for the first time put a number on ageism. This is a demographic that is absolutely in need. And it's very clear that once you reach a certain age, it just becomes harder to access access a job opportunity, said Mona Morshed. Uh, the study, which was conducted between March and May 2021, surveyed this and that. Despite the varied international jobs landscape, from the U.S. to the U.K., India, Italy, the findings were broadly the same. 45 to 60-year-olds are the most overlooked employee bracket. Indeed, for the past six years, mid-career individuals have made up a consistently high percentage of the long-term unemployed. Most notably, the hiring managers assumed that 45 years old and above would be the worst cohort in terms of application readiness, fitness, and previous experience. Among their top concerns were a perceived reluctance among older workers to try new technologies and an inability to learn new skills and difficulty in working with other generations. This is all what younger people perceive of us. It's like, gee, I wonder why working with other generations is difficult. Because you're dicks. You're dicks to us. It comes in spite of evidence that older workers often outperform their younger peers. Indeed, almost nine in 10 hiring managers said that their hires who are 45 years and older have been better than the younger employees. Reengaging the lost workforce, blah, blah, 20. Okay, so there you go. Gen X workers face the biggest challenge re-entering the workforce post-pandemic and in general. Thank you. Book closed. We're fucked. Some of us, not me, have our own children and our own parents to take care of. It's a, listen, I got to get this tattoo. I got to honor us (laughs) with this tattoo. Oh, God. So, yeah, I'm not having a hot girl summer. I'm not in my bedroom writing treatises to Matt Damon, but I am. uh, It's a Saturday night and I'm home having my one glass of wine recording a podcast. Um, You know, I mean, I'm just being silly. This was just the easiest time for me to record this week. I went to a friend's house the other night, just two, just went to my friend's house and it was just three gals sitting around outside eating dinner, you know, but it's back to outdoor only hangs. You know, I put on my mask everywhere I go indoors. It's fine. I want, I mean, I want to. I'm scared. I'm scared again. But, uh, eh, you know, this is just a little bit of a downer. But you know what? It's way better than my, my active life is way better than it was a year ago. So I don't relate to comedians being on tour right now. I just don't get it, especially playing venues where 
not everyone has to be vaccinated. But even then, we've seen gatherings with fully vaxxed people. There are breakthrough cases. So I just don't get how anyone's comfortable breathing in the air with hundreds of other people who are like actively laughing. I just don't get it. Um, I'm hoping the booster is available before these gigs I'm doing in December because I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I need a booster. I need a booster. Pfizer, Moderna. I know the World Health Organization is like, don't give yourselves boosters before we get the rest of the world vaccinated. And then the CDC is like, we can do both. We can do both. We can do both. I'm like, please let us do both. Please. Please. I just don't like going into winter without a booster being available because if the vaccines really wane after six months, which I feel like that information just came flying out at us super fast. Was like, Fuck. You know, um, I guess it's they, they work on the alpha variant, just not on the delta as well. They still protect against the delta 86%. I mean, you know what I mean. Oh, but Lordy. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Anyway, so, um, but you know, it's like I'm still living my life in a mask and feeling safe because I'm vaxxed and masked, right? So it's like I'll go to Pilates in my mask. I'll go to a beauty appointment in my mask. And I feel totally fine. It's not like before where the mask was the only protection. I feel like I am very well taking care of myself. But I I get this little thing done to my eyelashes every couple months. And uh, I went today. And it's like a procedure to keep your eyes shut and lay still. And I usually like to fall asleep. And so, you know, I talked to the the lady that does it. Um, I, you know, I've gone to know her over the years. Like, this lady, she's younger than me. But, you know, um, she's going to concentrate really hard and and – most of the clients like to be asleep during this. So it's, um, you know, you just kind of take a little nap when you're laying there and it's like a, you know, 45 minute hour long thing. So I'm like in a very polite way, like I get set up, I get my little blanket, I, I put my earbuds in and I'll be like, I'm just going to listen to a podcast. And she's like, totally. And I'm like, I'm probably going to fall asleep. She's like, great. But we do our chit chat before and after. It's all good. She, everyone does this. So today I was putting, she's like, what podcast are you going to listen to? And I was like, oh, it's this one. Um, Tim Heidecker recommended it to me. I'm telling you guys that because I know you know him because you love comedy. But um, it's like a deep dive these women take into like different aspects of the Beatles. And I'm a Beatles fan. And I don't normally need to like listen to anything about the Beatles again because like enough already. I know stuff. But this he just recommended these particular nine episodes where they talk in detail about why they broke up and like it is fucking fascinating and there are details that just i never knew that are they're just thrilling if you like psychology and the psychology of john versus paul and how john behaved it's amazing anyway so i was listening to the final episode of that where it's like John and Yoko are detoxing and they write that terrible song Cold Turkey and Paul doesn't want it on the album and Paul had a kid and John was saying to him, you know, you're such kind of a dork, like we're the real freaks over here. And it's just so good. I mean, John was being a dick when he was saying that. I'm not like, it's so good because that's a great way to act. But anyway, she's like, oh, can I listen to? And I was like, oh yeah, of course. I'm so sorry. I never, I never thought to play my thing without headphones you know usually that would be a rude thing to do at an appointment she's like yeah take your headphones out so I played it and I just had the you know iPhone kind of laying next to me and I had my eyes shut and we just listened together and we were both kind of reacting like but we're both like her face is very close to mine and we have masks on so like we don't neither of us wants to talk you know but it was just really nice and then when the session ended um she was like, I am riveted by that. And she's younger than me and not like a huge Beatles fan, but she knows obviously John Lennon, John and Yoko. This was interesting to her. And so then she started telling me that 
you know, her and her mom, like their favorite band is the Eagles and she, you know, just still loves them and all this stuff. And uh, so then we started talking about just other stuff. And I was like, see, this is why I'm always railing against small talk. How's your weekend? Doing anything fun? What do you do for work? It's like, how about let's sit quietly, us two basically strangers, and have this intimate moment of listening to a Beatles podcast together. It was fucking awesome. And then it brought up such interesting conversation after for the part of the appointment where it was more chit-chatty. And uh, I don't know, I'm just such a big fan of moments like that. I just, that moment really made me feel so connected. There's something very, very nice about listening to something when you know the person in the same room as you is also listening. It's very sweet. Anyway, so I'm just a big shout out everyone to... um, Moments in the opposite of small talk. So let's end this episode with our listener emails. Let's hear from y'alls. Because it's your 400th episode as well. Jen, I'm a boomer. We may all be old, but we're not all Trumpers. Does this guy think I think that? This dude, you've seen the people that stormed the Capitol. They weren't really boomers. They're like my age and younger. Um, I don't think boomers are Trumpers. I mean, to me, boomers are like all these like liberal hippie, you know, I mean, again, don't confuse. There's also silent generation. That's my parents' generation. They're still around too. And a lot of them are Trumpers. Anyway, the greatest day of my life was retiring and ending the nine to five because last week I talked about the nine to five workday. And I asked you guys to email me what's going on with your work. And he said, the greatest day of my life was retiring and ending the nine to five grip on my life from kindergarten through college and through work. What a freeing experience. I could do what I wanted when I wanted, didn't need to be someplace by a certain time to earn enough to exist in the world. And now I regularly sleep until noon, just like some stand up guys I know. Ha. Huh. That's the guys. The women always get up early. By the way, I highly recommend retirement. Don't let anybody fool you by saying you'll be so bored. Bull crap. Retirement has been the best part of my life, Mr. Dana Schwartz. Oh, I think Dana has emailed me before and I've assumed you're a woman. I'm sorry about that, Dana. Mr. Schwartz, Mr. Schwartz, line one, he retired. Oh, I wrote back to Dana and I was like, yeah, you're the only generation that's going to have retirement. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of true, like, you know, um, and I don't begrudge the boomers, their retirement. They they um, they had a really functioning middle class, you know, um, because of the people they voted for back then. So it's it's all good in the hood. But um, I oh, God, I could retire right now. I'm literally not just saying that I was so stupid about what people do by certain ages. I seriously still thought in my 20s that I was going to be retired by 45 because I don't know. I get. I. I mean. I guess I could if I was super wealthy. You know. Like I know people. I know comedians who are literally worth like thirty million dollars. And I'm like, why are you running out of the house to do a set at the Improv? Literally, why are you working? You. You're done. You made it. Please go enjoy your life. Can. Can. Like I just feel so bad for them. It's like I love doing nothing. And and to Mr. Schwartz here, Dana. I've had a little more taste of that retirement life than you have probably because of the weird job I have in the years that I've just been on the road. And it it is work and it, it it's scary in the sense that like I'm earning year to year. I, there's no, you know, I can take two years off and do nothing. But I've definitely had long stretches where it's felt like retirement in a way. And I've, I've been able to do whatever I want, especially with not having kids. So I guess me not retiring until I'm in my 60s or 70 isn't as tragic, right, as like, someone chained to the desk at a job they hate. Mine is a little different, but I'm like, oh my God, working is fucking overrated. Even if it's a job you love, just want free time, right? To to blue sky it, as I call it, dream. What do I want to do today? What do I want to learn? Where do I want to go, you know? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jen, working hours. This is from Debbie. 
I work for a medical company where I sit at a computer all day. We have been working from home since March 2020. Next week, I am one of the first to go back to the office. I don't want to go. Back in 2019, I said to myself that I was going to look for work next year. My office mates aren't coming back until September. One is pregnant and will be out by November. The other one is a Trumper, anti-vaccine, and conspiracy theory all day long. My company said vaccinated. We'll have to look for work somewhere else. Oh, I think she's saying her company said get vaccinated or hit the road. Or if you have a medical or religious issue, then you can get a waiver. Um, Religious? Don't get me fucked. I don't care whose religion I offend because I live in L.A. where there's a bunch of bullshit out here and a bunch of fucking yoga wellness QAnon moms. And I want to fucking hear about your religion. I don't care. No, this your okay. We have a separation of church and state in this country. Technically, in the Constitution, our country cannot stop us from worshiping how we want to worship. Right. But I believe that the separation of church and state ends and begins where you're you don't get vaccinated because of your religion. You still live in my world, though. We don't live in your religious bubble. We live in a world of America and the Constitution. And and I'm not your religion. So why do I have to be around your non-vaccinated fucking ass? And ugh, I wish I could just call God and go, will you tell the fucking people that you don't care about vaccines that you made? You ma- if you made people, you gave them the intelligence to make vaccines for themselves for the love of shit. God, if you're listening, can you please call in? Thank you. You know the number. Okay, so this woman says, uh, well, the anti-vax person said that they are still not getting one. I was happy to hear that. I've been waiting for them to be fired or let go for five years. But this is the part that was okay. Not so funny, but sort of. They think they're getting laid off, but nowhere in any memo did it say layoff. So they will not be getting unemployment. Because this person hears what they want and they don't trust the science or anything I say, I can't tell them the truth, except that the only way they'll get a raise is to find another company to work for. I'm vaccinated and so happy the company decided to make it mandatory. It weeds out the people that I can't deal with every day. Oh, and I would love to work four days a week, 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. I don't want to be there more than that and no overtime. Thanks for the podcast. A Patreon subscriber, Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. And thanks for subscribing to the Patreon, everybody. You know what to do. This is from, oh, he said, don't say my name, I think he said. Or just in case, I'm not going to say it. But this is such a thoughtful email. Um, Anxiety and family and politics is what it's about. Jen, I loved the episode. He says the Patreon part, especially. This is last week's episode. You guys missed it. You're not a member. Uh, But this email is regarding something you talked about in the other portion of the podcast. Politics in general fills me with tons of anxiety, but I did enjoy listening to your story about your experiences with the California congressman, the video he made for your dad and both your parents' reactions. So funny and all the thoughts that you had following. I want to share a really positive experience I had recently visiting my parents in Ohio. They are diehard Republicans, evangelical Christians, anti-abortion people. Thankfully, they've come around on LGBT issues because their son, me, is gay. And although they believe the election was vaguely fraudulent, they all did get the vaccine because they do trust medical science, although they don't believe in climate change. I could go on. Suffice it to say, I have struggled with blame and resentment toward them for a long time. It is incomprehensible to me that they, who claim to be followers of Jesus, also show uncompromising support of Trump. I had and still have tons of anxiety around it. Tons. It overtook not only my interactions with them, but with other people, usually online, who didn't line up with my beliefs and opinions, even in a minor way. I so appreciate how you often bring up how anxiety fuels toxic online interaction. It has brought such a new level of self-awareness. Anyway, this recent visit was so different and so much better because I prepared myself beforehand to, one, let them be exactly who they were without blame or judgment, and two, Let myself be exactly how I was without accommodating them, but also not being an asshole to them. For the first time, I could feel compassion for their own anxiety, which has fueled so much of their own political and religious beliefs. I could see more clearly their basic goodness and basic humanity, like how they treat family and friends and even strangers with everyday kindness. I was blown away at how much more peaceful I felt once I let myself off the hook from having to change their mind about anything. I was still honest with them about my beliefs and convictions, but letting go of the blame 
allowed me to genuinely listen to them too. And I don't think I would have been able to do that without a few years of practicing mindfulness meditation and therapy to help deal with the learned anxiety and judgmentalism of my formative years. Woo, that's a lot. But as we head into another COVID surge and 2022 midterms around the corner, I truly believe in prioritizing inner work to be able to be resilient, sustain relationships, and truly be influential in changing hearts and minds. The last five years of screaming at people online and sometimes in person has accomplished zero for me anyway. Interested to hear you or any other listeners' thoughts around that topic, activism, being influential, relationships, inner work, all that stuff. Really love and appreciate your podcast. So glad you're doing the Anxiety Bites podcast. I think it's going to help a ton of people. Oh, I hope it does. Yeah, everybody stay tuned. Anxiety Bites. Uh, they tell me it's going to premiere October 6th. Thank you for that lovely email. Um, you know, yeah, I I can't. I mean, that's, that's the great thing about therapy is, you know, uh, I get to learn about the reactions that I was, you know, unaware of I was having to certain things. And once I change my reaction, it just causes less drama in my life. My, it just, I'm just a big fan. But it takes a lot of guts to look at yourself and go, even though I felt wronged in certain situations, how how can I change? Because I am the only one responsible for changing myself. You know, my life doesn't get better when everyone around me starts acting differently. My life gets better when I start to change how I'm reacting, you know, and it can be a lot to ask of yourself to want to see things differently, but I'm so glad I did it. Anyway, yeah, if anyone wants to weigh in on anything on that kind of tip or whatever, we still have got tons more listener emails to go through. I always love getting more. I seem fun at gmail.com. Send me an email about anything you heard in this episode or any of the episodes. Share a story of your own, whatever. Well, that, my friends, is the 400th episode again. It's special because we're special. We don't need to do any fucking fanfare. Until next week. Have fun.